Adrenal Alternatives Foundation. Education, advocacy, and encouragement for all adrenal disease. Welcome to the Adrenal Alternatives Foundation podcast. The following podcast is a recording of the town hall meeting hosted in November 2020 by Rare Disease Congressional Caucus Representatives Jay Hunter and Winslow Dixon of Adrenal Alternatives Foundation. My name is Jay Hunter. Um, I'm a volunteer and a member of the Adrenal Alternatives um, Foundation. And uh, based on my past life as a political journalist and actually a lobbyist before that in Washington, D.C., um, I am going to be part of the Public Affairs Committee, uh, which is going to help us have a seat at the table when um, the caucus meets and talks about uh, various rare disease initiatives, uh, and I'll bring our concerns to that group. I do apologize. I'm uh, trying to get this to go to Facebook. Um, anyways, so basically, um, as Jay said, we are, we are part of the Rare Disease Legislative Advocate um, Program. And so basically, that gives people like us, you know, rare disease patients, um, a voice with our legislators. I know that there's a, you know, a new administration coming on and, you know, we just kind of want to represent adrenal disease and, you know, our rare voice. And so that's basically our point in doing this. And that's why we're doing this town hall is because we want to represent your voices. We are a small demographic, we're considered rare disease. And so when you get to Congress and, you know, when you talk to your representatives, I don't want us to get lost in, in the sea of, of all the rare disease. I definitely want us to be a strong voice and we can't do that unless we know what our demographic needs. So we wanted to do this town hall to kind of take in questions, concerns, any experiences that you guys have had so that we can take those with us. Um, so I'm watching the chat box here. Um, so if anybody has any um, questions or anything like that, um, Maria. <laughs> Hi, Maria. Thanks for letting us know that you can hear us. <laughs> like I said, um, we're trying to figure out the, the technological side of this, but um, if anybody had any experiences or any, you know, questions, feel free to type them into um, the, the chat box. We're going to be on here for 30 minutes, so we're going to be taking questions and concerns throughout those 30 minutes, and then also, you know, we have our inbox and, and things like that that we do check regularly. So, um, and uh, like Jay said, he has had some experience in lobbying and also um, writing for the Washington Post. So do you want to kind of expound on your, um, your experience and, and why you chose to, to not only advocate for Crohn's, but also Addison's disease? Yeah, definitely. Um, so I actually suffer from secondary adrenal insufficiency as well as Crohn's disease. Um, so I... For a long time, I spent almost a decade in Washington uh, working in newsrooms, and I wasn't able to advocate. Um, and but my job was writing profiles from of members of Congress and candidates. Um, so I've spent a lot of time on Capitol Hill in members' offices, understand how to talk to them. Um, so when I switched roles uh, last year and moved into the tech space, um, coincidentally, it was also when I. Uh, was able to have, um, that's when I started experiencing some of my symptoms for adrenal insufficiency and was able to connect with the foundation and, and now we're getting, getting moving and I'm happy to 
bring my back, professional background and expertise and represent our voice. Um, like Maria said, yeah, this first question, the standard protocol for EMS to administer steroids to us, as well as the lack of rapid response in the ER, I feel we should be treated just as a stroke alert patient would be treated in a timely fashion. Um, that's great feedback, Maria. I've experienced multiple adrenal crises over the last year in three different cities, uh, and my ER experiences have been very problematic um, to the point where I have a my ID now and adrenal insufficiency, um, but even that and bringing in protocols or some documentation is is problematic in the ER. I know Winslow can, can jump in here too, but um, standard protocol is definitely um, something that is on our our pick list, if you will, and we we definitely want to to move that forward as one of our talking points or uh, legislative activities. Yeah, and I definitely want to echo that. Um, we we are well aware that EMS response is not the way that we want it to be, and um, we actually have a program where we have aligned with several other organizations that. Um, actively work to educate the medical community and also legislatures on, um, you know, how to properly treat and manage adrenal crisis. Our program is called the Adrenal Awareness Initiative, and um, you can actually help out with that as, um, you know, as an adrenal patient. We have items that we will send to you in a packet. We have a flash drive we'll send you so you can print your own, and we also will send you pamphlets and things that you can go to your local, well, you probably can't go now with COVID, but you can send things and talk to them and give them this documentation on the proper way to help adrenal insufficient patients in a crisis state. So that's something that we're really, really, really um, passionate about. Um, like you said, emergency room response is also very unfortunate. Um, we do educate a lot of a lot of physicians and we're, we're working on a few things that are coming down the, the pipe and hopefully next year that um, emergency protocols will be available um, pretty much to every physician. And we'll announce that when those things become available. But um, there are some things coming down the pipe that I can talk about. Um, we are partnered with Solution Medical and they are actually creating an EpiPen-like device called a Twistject, which is an auto-injector for cortisol. And that should be out within the next couple of years. So that will massively change um, how adrenal insufficiency crises are treated. Um, I know that this is kind of the standard with us right now. We have our saline and our needle and our 15 different steps and in a, you know, a state of crises that can be kind of difficult. So um, we're definitely working towards that end. Um, and, and as far as legislation goes, we have aligned with a lot of other organizations, chronic illness advocacy and awareness group, adrenal insufficiency protocols, and also Danny's dose are organizations that are helping us in, you know, other, other um, rare diseases to be able to have their medications administered by EMS and paramedics. So that's definitely something that's at the forefront of what we do with adrenal alternatives. So take hope in that, that uh, change is coming. It's, it's a process and it's going to take a lot of work. And um, we have those items that I mentioned for our initiative available on our website for download. If you'd like a packet, we can also mail that to you. Um, we really encourage everyone to just, it doesn't take long to just call your local fire department and say, you know what, hey, do you, are you aware of adrenal insufficiency? I'm adrenal insufficient, I'm in your area, this is what I need. And a lot of times they're very receptive. 100% of times in my experience, they've been very receptive and they want to know because if something does happen, they're gonna be the first people that respond to you, they're first responders, obviously. So um, 
that's definitely an option that we have in the short term. In the long term, there are many things coming. Um, like I said, Solution Medical has a twist jack device that will be out hopefully within the next couple of years. Um, so there are options with that. So thank you, Maria, for that comment. I'm looking to see if we have any others. Um, and just to jump in while we wait for some other ones, I think, you know, I went to my local um, EMS and, and fire stations and had um, some friends in public health help me um, pass around those documentations and the training. Unfortunately, right now, that's going to be our fastest method is that local advocacy is the best. A lot of these are state and local regulations, unfortunately, this level. So, of course, we're going to push at the federal level as well. But um, talking locally is, is the best option right now. Definitely. And I think the grassroots approach is very effective because when you physically talk to someone, you know, on the phone or in person or like whatever, I know it's COVID world, so it's a little strange, but I think when you have that physical, you know, contact or, or you know, even verbal, it, the person can kind of personalize it and then it goes into their mind. Um, you know, working, a lot of us go to medical treatments, a lot of us have, you know, a lot of doctor's appointments and, and I my husband picks on me that I like say cortisol a thousand times a day, but I'm always like, Hey, do you test for cortisol? Do you, you know, cause I, it's not done. And I know that a lot of us were diagnosed post crises and those of us that have been diagnosed post crises have so many more health issues than those were diagnosed pre crises, which is not to say that it's not a difficult disease other way, but it's, there's not a lot of awareness on cortisol and what it does in the body and nobody tests for it. And so um, definitely, you know, like Jay said, those grassroots movements of just having those conversations with your local fire department, you know, with your local first responders, you know, even your local emergency room, like drop off a pamphlet, mail them something. Like, like I said, we have those resources available to you. We can send you a packet. If you send me, you know, if you send us an email that says, hey, I need 30 packets. I'm like, okay, well, we'll have it to you by the end of the week. So um, there are definitely options for that, you know, and that's, that's really our goal is we want to spread that awareness. So thank you for that, Jay. Yep. And also I can talk a little bit more, you know, the rare disease uh, legislative advocates, the group. So as you may or may not know, most um, advocacy groups, health, especially health advocacy, advocacy groups do a, um, a, either a day on the Hill on Capitol Hill or a week. And um, for this group, it's going to be in July of next year. So Obviously, right now, things are pretty much scheduled to be virtual, but we have um, a lot of time to help in the meetings ahead of time, kind of get our initiatives and, and what we want to advocate on um, on the group's agenda for that week. Um, so we're looking forward to feedback over the coming months. Um, Congress is kind of weird. I can give a little bit of uh, insight into that. So, you know, right now, everyone knows that the elections happened um, and we're in what's called a lame duck. So... There, most smaller bills are, are not going to um, move or any type of legislation for the rest of the year. They're not in session very much other than this week. Um, so when they all come, you know, right now, it's basically like setting up a new, a new business. They're, wel they're moving their offices, they're getting their supplies, they're welcoming new members, they're training new members, but they don't start and the Congress doesn't start uh, until January. And uh, this year it'll be January Fourth, it's always the first Monday of the year, um, and once they come in, then you know your business is open, your doors are open, but you still have to get all your supplies and your committee hearings and committee assignments. So really, the first month or two of a new Congress is very slow, and those even the new members are getting adjusted, and the older members are moving into bigger offices. It's it's kind of um, 
difficult from an advocacy group to to tolerate how slow it starts. But really by March, everyone's kind of up and running, business is normal. And then that's when the advocacy groups start sending more messages. The new members have staff. Finally, they don't come in with a new staff or a full staff. Um, so that's why the spring of odd numbered years are really the most important time. And luckily we're a part of this group that has their own congressional caucus. So what is a congressional caucus? What does that mean? Uh, basically members come in and say, hey, I'm interested in this kind of thing. And there are official um, caucuses, and, which are just member groups that meet occasionally and work with advocacy groups like RDOA and the Rare Disease Caucus um, to, to have a dialogue and talk about their needs, introduce the bills that we want to be introduced, um, and really be our, our outlet on and our representatives, regardless if they're in our district or not. Um, so it's really nice that we're able to partner uh, with the Rare Disease Group instead of trying to start this all on our own. Um, it takes years of lobbying. Uh, you have to get officially approved to get a caucus. Um, so we'll, we'll be able to join that voice. And obviously some of the issues that we all experience as um, people who suffer with adrenal diseases are things that other rare disease um, patients suffer from. So it'll be nice to do, to group those together uh, and have a, a dedicated, like the rare disease legislative uh, group actually has dedicated full-time staff in Washington, D.C., which will be great for us. Um, and they coordinate a lot of, you know, the Rare Disease Week in 2021 and, and a lot of that outreach um, that we're looking forward to being part of. Exactly. Um, and, and that's a very good point, you know, that, that you made about how the, these connections are very important. Um, you know, a lot of rare diseases suffer from a lot of the same things. We might have different symptoms, but... Um, like I mentioned, Jay is on the public policy um, committee and I am on the access committee. And basically what that means is um, access to healthcare and things like that are something, is something that I'm very passionate about personally because um, the cortisol pump is, it was very cumbersome many, many years ago. And since the Right to Try Act was passed in 2018, that definitely opened up doors for us because things that are not FDA approved can be used for off-label use. So it's, it's definitely, and we're going in the right direction, and we just want to continue that momentum. Um, and, and like Jay said, we're aligned with all these other organizations and these avenues because the, you know, the trick is when you're trying to do advocacy and you're trying to change things, you want to work smarter and not harder. And you know, if we were going to come in from, you know, the the bottom of this trying to get into DC, I'm not sure that you know that would happen within the, the next you know congressional year. And when they're changing over things in this new administration, there's no way, you know, that that would have happened. But because we have aligned with, you know, the rare disease legislative advocates and other organizations, we do have that voice where we can go alongside these other organizations and represent our demographic. Um, I think it's very important, you know, us being considered a small demographic, which, you know, is debatable because there, there are a lot of us. And I think people think Addison's disease is in one camp and Cushing's is in another. And you know, SAIs and another, but it's really not true. Um, we are an organization that represents all adrenal diseases. So um, I think that's really important that when we take our concerns and anything like that to this caucus, that we need to understand that this is not just Addison's, it's not just SAI, it's not just Cushing's, it's not just CAH, it's all adrenal diseases. And we can align with other groups and then turn around and say, hey, we all deserve access to better care 
we all deserve access to things that improve quality of life. And that's really going to be our push and our focus, um, you know, is quality of life. Whatever it takes for somebody to achieve quality of life, whether it's a pump, whether it's a new medication, whether it's, you know, any sort of anything, any sort of therapy modality, not even just adrenal disease, any disease, if it has something that's going to improve their life, someone deserves access to that. And so that's really something important. And if you're wondering how you can help, you don't have to just wait on us to, to be your outlet too. So the nice thing is that rare, so if you go to rareadvocates.org, uh, you can, there's a take action button and that's a way for anyone, any member or grassroots um, member to, to take action. So there's things like, you know, our annual um, Rare Voice Awards where they're trying to get um, member, all, a lot of politicians and public officials, not just at the federal level, but the state level to, to join that, which is going to be virtual. Um, so there's there's forms and tools there and software that you can just write a letter. You don't have to worry about the address. Um, you know, there's there's various acts that our group is trying to work for um, that you can take part of there. And if you don't know, you know, who your elected officials are, you can look it up on that website. So once again, it's rareadvocates.org and the take action button. Um, and it'll also show you how um, members have voted over the past couple years on issues that are important to the group. So, you know, now that we're going to be a part of this group, we can start getting some of our issues there and it'll be really nice to track and keep, um, keep our elected officials accountable for the issues that, that matter to us. Exactly. And like Jay said, there are a lot of, a lot of really good resources on that website. Um, it can be very daunting to think about trying to contact these elected officials. And, and I just want to, to, to share the message that I know there's a lot of this concept that oh, my congressman is not going to listen to me. They work for you. Like the people that are in government are elected officials for a reason. They work for you. They're supposed to be your voice representing you. And, you know, we can do all we can on Capitol Hill to try to, to be a voice, but nobody can be your voice fully except for you. So, you know, if we, if we, you know, the whole ripple effect, if we all try to, you know, make an impact on things that, that matter to us, it will help not only us, but future generations. And that's why, you know, like Maria said, it's so important to have awareness in emergency medical situations. And so, um, we're actively working to change legislation, you know, both locally and federally that paramedics can give patient medications. Because that stands not only for adrenal insufficiency, which it obviously gives so you cortex, but you know, there are other diseases, um, hemophilia, where um, you know, obviously if they have an accident or something like that, a car wreck, they need an injection of a clotting factor. Well, they're not allowed to give that either. And there's a lot of, you know, hemophilia patients that are in a life-threatening situation, if they're unconscious, they need this clotting factor and EMS can't give it to them. So um, I didn't even know that until we aligned with the organization, Danny's Dose. And so we're all working together on our separate issues, but a lot of times they, they do come together. And so I just want you guys to, to take heart that um, there are a lot of people working for you um, and, and your congressmen and your senators and your even your local elected officials, they work for you. So don't be afraid to send them a letter, you know, call their secretary, like whatever. And Jay, if you want to expound kind of on the, on the, the, I guess, pecking order of, of how all that works, you kind of have a little bit more understanding. Yeah, definitely. And I think before I jump in, I saw um, we have one, another comment from, 
a couple comments here. So let's take the one from Facebook. It says, you know, Barbara, Barbara Burke said, work together with other adrenal insufficiency foundations team up. So I'll let um, Winslow answer that, but I know that we are partnering with other people. And then uh, we'll get to another Q&A um, question that we'll answer as well in Zoom. I'm not sure why that's not showing up on my end, but um, as far as working with other um, adrenal organizations, um, like I said, we are we are partnered with Solution Medical, who is creating um, the auto injector. Um, I am familiar with um, Dina with um, the Paris Foundation. Um, we are also a partner. You know, we we contact NADF, and they're aware of us. I actually talked to Vanessa, which is their patient representative. We do work alongside other adrenal organizations. Um, like I said, we're all in this together and we all have, um, you know, a similar mindset and a similar goal, which is quality of life. And so if you actually go on our website, um, on the tab that says our dream, our, our, dream, our team and affiliates, um, it will give you a list of all the organizations that we're actually affiliated with. So we are working alongside not only other adrenal organizations, um, BioPara, we just aligned with as well, but we're working with organizations internationally to try to improve quality of life. So I think it's very important to work alongside, you know, people that do have a similar vision. Like I said, work smarter, not harder. So yes, definitely. Thank you for that comment. We are working alongside other organizations and we're glad to. Okay. And we have another um, Q&A question. So I'll read it to you and we can answer it live. Um, so it, the question is, is there anything in the works for rapid home cortisol testing? Um, as far as um, rapid cortisol testing, obviously we know that there's no glucometer for cortisol. There's no corticometer at this point. There are a few things that are in testing, um, not in the U.S., but overseas. There's actually one that is trying to test with saliva. There's one that um, tests actually with um, their, it's like tears and eye drops, and that one's really strange. There's nothing that is in um standard production at this point. There are a couple research things that are in the works and we're definitely keeping an eye on those. Should that become available, you guys will be the first to know because I'm gonna probably go on Facebook Live and start screaming like, yay, this thing exists. Um, but at, as of now, that is not something that is in production. There are some research things and you know, in the future, should our funding grow, that's definitely something that we want to look into as well. We have a lot of other projects that we're into that are, um, are going to be good for technological advances. But um, at this point, there is no home uh, cortisol testing, but there are some things that are in research stage. So hopefully within our lifetime, um, that will be an option. But as of now, there's nothing in production. Okay. Thank you, Winslow, for answering that one. I think um, that covered it, hopefully. But uh, participant can certainly ask follow-up questions. Um, and with this time, I'll loop back and explain a little bit as you asked about, you know, how to contact a member's office and the pecking order and, and the best practices for that. So um, my tip, I actually um, used to intern for a senator, um, calling your local office branch of a either House of Representative or your U.S. Senator, you have two um, senators, calling their office that's closest to where you live is going to be the most effective. So they have constituent service advocates, they're called. And those people's full job is to help you interact with the government and help advocate on your behalf. So especially at the federal level, their DC offices don't have those staff there. So they would reroute you anyway um, to their other offices. So if you really want the attention, um, go to their website or go to you know a group like Rare Advocates that we're partnered with 
it'll pull up that information for you and you can um, calling and talking to somebody on the phone is the most effective way. Their emails are, are web forms that will get answered, but not right away. Um, but you can always call and, and get somebody on the phone to talk to, uh, to help you with those things. And the same thing goes for your state reps, I, especially for things like um, first responders and administering um, cellucortef injections in emergency situations. I'd recommend talking to your, not just your local town council or committee members or mayor, office, um, but talk to your state reps because right now most of those regulations are at the state state level and controlled by the states. So if you, um, you can look up online, depending on what state you're in, there's the various legislative bodies, but usually they're all called a house and the Senate or house of representatives. A uh, few, few states have just one um, body, but you can look up there and find, find your your local rep and, and contact their office as well. Um, but in terms of contacting your members of Congress, um, they're, uh, especially if you're in a district where it's a new member right now, there are still people working. If, so if you had a member that lost re-election or is leaving or retiring, or it's a vacancy, there are still uh, people there working for you and, and their websites are still active. So you can, can find that information. So never think um, just because we're in what's called a lame duck in between election periods or somebody, somebody leaves, there's still still people there working on your behalf or should be. And um, from somebody who used to work in that office a long time ago, you'd be surprised at how few people actually take them up on these offices. They're very busy, but they still are always willing to help their constituents. So the key is contacting your member. That's going to be the most effective and they want your personal story. So if you need help, contact your local member and your two state um, U.S. senators. You have two in each state. But if you um, need, um, if you want to advocate and lobby, go through, um, you can certainly call them and tell them very tactically what you want. Um, but going through like the associations and the rare advocates that we're going to be doing is rare disease advocates is, is going to be more powerful in numbers. But um, prepare your, your personal story and the personal stories are what connected. Whenever I would interview a member of Congress or a candidate and talk to them, they always said, you know, they care about what their, their constituents are going through. And the reason why they care is because you, you hold the power to, to vote and you have the power to keep them in office or elect somebody else. Um, so that's why they're, if you live in North Carolina, but you contact somebody in South Carolina, they're not gonna treat you very well because you're not their constituent. Um, so it's important to go to your correct members. Um, but if you tell them your story, um, they have dedicated staff in Washington as well for, for policy changes and for bills. And those are the people that if you say, you know, something like getting emergency injections and changing the protocols, go ahead and contact them. Um, but if you have problems with um, any sort of federal or state government service, then call the local offices. But they'll be able to connect you. Think of them all as small businesses. So they interact with, you know, all of their staff that are fewer than 30 people, um, even smaller. Some house offices only have 10. So they'll talk and, and get you to the right person. But phone calls are going to be the best way to get somebody's attention quickly and or letters. It's, it's still, still an old fashioned game in Washington. So a physical letter that's mailed to them takes a while, has to get screened through security, so don't expect a response in a week, but they will respond to you.
Exactly. And um, I think it's very important to just remember that, you know, it, we might seem like just a drop in a bucket, but it's, it's, it's definitely something that needs to be done. And if everybody goes to their congressman and their senator and says, hey, I have adrenal insufficiency, nobody seems to know about this disease, you know, we need X, Y, and Z or, you know, all that stuff. It's, it's definitely important to, like he said, share your story and share your experience. Um, you know, we do need to explain to them, and, and, and it's interesting that everybody that I talk to that doesn't have adrenal insufficiency or anything like that, um, they're shocked to hear, well, why can't they give you the medications? Well, they can't do it. They're not allowed to do it. And it's like, logically, it makes sense that they would be able to give you a life-saving medication. But the laws have made it, you know, and it's, it's county by county, so it differs, but over the across the board, it's usually not done. You can't give patient medication. So I think the more awareness that we get, I know that we talk about awareness, 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 but I definitely think that's an important phrase because it's true. If somebody's not aware of it, they can't fix it. And so it's important that we make these congressmen and our representatives aware of what's going on. So... Um, I'm trying to click this thing. Oh, did I mess it up? Huh? Mm -hmm. Okay, what did I do? <laughs> Sorry, I'm not technological at all. I think I just I tried to allow someone in, and I don't know what it is. Oh, somebody's... Okay, so we just have to unmute them if somebody wants to talk. So just um, just to give a disclosure that you this is being live streamed, so as soon as we unmute your microphone, um, your, everyone could hear you that's watching. But so if you go to the attendees Winslow and just hit the red microphone button, you should be able to, to allow them to, to speak. It says ask to unmute. Yeah, so if you click that. Okay. Okay, we can hear you now, so go ahead. I think I'm in. Hi, this is a rare disease patient on Instagram. Hi, Bye. how are you doing? Hi. I had a hard time getting in. I, I think I missed a lot. Um, I'll have to go back for a summary of what you were discussing before I was able to join. Um, but I didn't see very many people join in. And I know we have such a large community online. I'm hoping, I, I, I know your first caucus is this week, but can we do this again? maybe sending notices to some of the bigger groups on Facebook. We actually did send notices to other groups. Um, wow. Yeah, um, I'm not gonna get into that, but we did. Um, and, and of course, we, we are here for you guys. And so if, if you feel that, you know, if, if we feel the community needs to, to talk with us again, we have no problem doing that. Like I said, our, our main goal is education, advocacy, awareness, and encouragement. And I think um, I think encouragement is, is a big thing. And I think knowing that people are, are listening and can take your concerns, you know, to a political forum is, is very, it's very helpful to me knowing, hey, I can finally, you know, get to these people that I'm in. I feel like I've been screaming at the wall, you know, for years, but I'm yeah. we can definitely do this again. Um, Jay and I are, are volunteers for this organization and, um, we feel very strongly about, you know, the importance of advocacy and the importance of being a voice for this demographic. So we can certainly do that again. And also this is being recorded. Okay. Uh, so you can watch it, rewatch this on Facebook too to catch up on anything or, you know, Winslow will certainly send out the, the recording as well to people that need it. So. Definitely. And, um, you know, like he said, this will be available for playback. Yeah, I'll go back and rewatch. 
and any suggestions or questions that anyone has, um, you know, of course, we have our forums. You can email us. You can, you know, put the contact form on our website. We have our social media. So if there's any concerns ever, you know, even if we don't have one of these in the in the near future, which I'm sure we will, but we're always, you know, checking our social media and making sure that, you know, we're, we're hearing our demographics. So um, I know that you have recently experienced a lot um, with, I've seen your posts about like the COVID testing and all that. Um, I know you had to about that. We are definitely, a, now is the time, and without knowing, I was going to ask you to um, go backwards a little bit if it wouldn't be repeating too much. Um, because I'm in a nursing facility, I, I, I think that um, National Adrenal Diseases Foundation did put out a notice, their medical director, right when um, the CDC made its first notice um, indicating how susceptible we are, that we are in a highest risk group, that we are high risk for respiratory infections specifically. And they're just as we're overlooked for so much else. I'm sorry, I'm in a nursing home. There's gonna be background noise. Um, just as we're overlooked for so much else, um, I, I felt that there wasn't enough attention to our vulnerability as a high-risk group, I, and not just for Addison's, for, for a few rare diseases. Um, and I know there's a rare disease committee in Congress. There, there could be so much more that was done. Um, and I had piles of COVID tests, but nobody ever put me in isolation. I'm still with a roommate. Um, and I've had, I think I've updosed five times in the last three weeks um, because I was hitting crisis and um, have had two lung infections in the past two months. So we're, there wasn't enough for uh, COVID awareness and, and out of this administration, there's not gonna be a great deal anyway, but there wasn't enough um, for the rare disease community and for us specifically indicating what should be done. The only, the best I saw was, was National Adrenal Diseases Foundation and that was pretty minimal as it was. Exactly, and just to address that, um, we, we actually um, released like protocols on adrenal insufficiency um, and also other immunosuppressive patients. You're exactly right. Um, when you're on corticosteroids, especially long-term, you are considered in an immunosuppressive demographic. So that's, that's very true at what you said. Um, as far as you know, the information and stuff, what's difficult about this virus and about the protocols around it is that it's such a novel virus. They haven't studied it for years. They don't know exactly how, you know, they're learning more now, but they didn't know exactly how it spread. And so I think early on with this pandemic, that was a lot of, that was a lot of the issues that, that we had. Um, but to give you a little bit of hope, um, our most recent team member that we added, Dr. Vashia Guacho, she actually is working on um, the COVID-19 protocols for the upcoming vaccines. And mm -hmm. she has her degrees in microbiology and um, she, she specializes in immunology and things. And she's published many um, publications. So she's working alongside us. She just joined our team. And so she's very knowledgeable about this virus, about how it acts and things like that. So, um, you know, that being said, um, Obviously, we know as immunosuppressive patients, you know, we have to, to be careful. We have to have protocols. We've known that all along, even, even not just COVID, 
other issues, like you said, you've had, you know, lung issues and respiratory, we're automatically more susceptible. So basically our protocols kind of go along, I guess I would say common sense protocols. It's just, you obviously don't want to touch um, public spaces as, as little as possible. You obviously aren't gonna share toiletries. You're not gonna share drinks. You're, you know, you're gonna try to social distance. You're gonna try to wash your hands as much as possible. Um, you know, these are things that the immunosuppressive community already do. And so, um, you know, obviously the, the mask thing is such a debate, but you know, as an immunosuppressive patient, uh. you know, obviously you wanna wear, if you wear a mask, you're going to want to change it frequently. Um, it's recommended that people that are immunosuppressed don't do the cloth mask as they can hold into um, germs and, and, and fabric. And so it, it's, it's recommended for immunosuppressive patients to have the disposable mask and not reuse them after multiple hours. So you're gonna wanna change your mask every, you know, if you're wearing them for a long period of time, you're gonna wanna change them every couple hours and not reuse, you know, cloth masks day after day after day. And I think that's what's happening, you know, with a lot of other issues is that people are thinking, oh, I can just put the mask on and it protects you. But the reality is, is that you have to build your immune system and you have to have these protocols in place. And if you're wearing a mask that's harbored three days worth of germs, it's mm -hmm. not really going to do any good. So we're telling, you know, our, our demographic, obviously our protocols are, you're going to want to wear the disposable masks. You're going to want to change them. And you're going to want to continue your hand washing protocols, continue, you know, to not share toiletries and just try to social distance as best as you can. You know, obviously with this Corona, you know, I think North Carolina just issued that you can't have gatherings more than 10. Well, the Corona is not going to automatically say, oh, there's an 11 person. I'm going to attack everybody. <laughs> you have to be proactive about, you know, if you're not feeling well, you're obviously not going to want to go into, you know, a crowded space or any services or anything like that. As far as your visitors go, you kind of have to be vigilant. You know, if you do have visitors and you are concerned about, you know, your immunosuppressive uh, immune system, you need to, you know, obviously ask people to respect boundaries. You're going to ask people, you know, if they're not feeling well, don't come visit me. You know, you really have to take control. And you know this as, a, you know, as a rare disease patient already, you have to take control of your health. There's also things you can do to boost your immune system and, you know, obviously talk to your physician about things that you can do for that. You know, I'm not going to spit out like supplements and stuff because obviously you need to talk to your physician, but make sure, make sure that you're getting adequate nutrition, adequate sleep, hydration, things that you can control. And also, you know, with our demographics, stress is very difficult with this disease. Like you said, you had to updose multiple times. When you're stressed, your immune system actually drops and you're going to have cortisol issues. And so it's important to prepare and not panic. Um, you know, you can't sit there and, and be super worried about getting COVID or whatever like that. You know, I just want to encourage our demographic that you already know what it's like to live with something difficult. And so you can't go into the mindset every day of what if I get Corona? Just do the best that you can. Do your protocols, you know, obviously wear a clean mask, you know, social distance, whatever, you know, whatever you and your doctor determine is best for you. Well, this I, I and I, I agree, all all true, and these are things that. Oh, I'm sorry, Jay. Uh, uh, but things, I, I no, unfortunately have know. to go. But Winslow is going to stay on to answer any other questions that people have. So my apologies. Thank you for your time, you. Jay. Yeah. Nice to meet you. Thank you. So I I agree, and these are things that I mean I, we know, you and I know, and people that are are very familiar with the disease know, but that the CDC never published specifically for us and that's my concern there should be publications specifically for us saying exactly exactly that providing us with protocols and that's what i want to see coming out of the government right now the only thing that we got 
there was a, it, it wasn't publicized. There was very little noise about it. Um, I printed it out for my nursing facility it was a, an update from the CDC on the 31st of March that indicated the highest risk groups for both contraction and death. And it, it listed, of course, anyone on corticosteroids and um, anyone with certain, uh, at a certain BMI, and most of us are overweight because of our steroids. And um, I, I think I fit into six of those groups. But that was all I saw that was even close to an indication by the CDC that I was even at risk. There were no guidelines specifically for us and not even specifically for Addison's, but specifically for certain rare disease groups. And that's what I'd like to see coming out of Congress right now. Exactly. And we'll keep that in mind, like I said, when we go, you know, before these legislators. Um, like Jay said, there's kind of a pecking order. And in the short term, um, our meeting Thursday, we're just kind of being introduced to people. And there is going to be a turnover with some of the congressional seats with the new um, the new people that were voted in and things like that. So, um, but we will definitely keep that, you know, and so I appreciate your, um, your insight into that. And I just want, um, I just want everybody to just take heart that we are, you know, we, we are going to be a voice for, for you guys, not just Addison's, not just CAH, all adrenal diseases. So we're going to definitely go into, um, into the congressional space with that thought. So thank you so much for that. So, so this first meeting was, is just then introductions, your laying framework. Yeah, um, basically this, this is kind of like a town hall meeting and um, I appreciate you coming on and talking to us and anybody else that wants to, to join in, um, obviously this is a town hall, so it's an open forum. Um, basically we just wanna get a baseline of where our demographic is as far as what they need, what their concerns are. Um, Jay, you know, who was previously on here, he has a, an extensive history and, you know, lobbying and he, he actually used to intern for a senator. So he is very good about, you know, knowing what to do and how to get things, you know, in the forefront of these legislators. So we just wanted to come on and kind of get a voice and an understanding of what our demographic needs. We are, you know, obviously we're going to represent you guys at the, the best that we can, and that's what we're here for. So um, take heart that that's what we're gonna do. That is great. I've been wanting for a long time to, especially uh, Senator Klobuchar, I think is a good ear, um, not even close to my rep. Um, I don't have a, a state rep on this, on this committee. Um, but I know she's a good ear from various experiences, various other um, uh, various other stories I've, I've heard about her. Um, I've read a bit about a couple other senators, but I don't know as much. Yeah, and so basically um, Jay's encouragement to everyone was if you know your local representative, if you know your local senator, if you don't have these names, you know, we, yeah. can, we can help you form a letter, you can write a letter, you can give them a call, just let them know, you know, basically we're trying to raise awareness. I would give them a call, write them a letter, you know, anything that you can do to kind of get, you know, our voice out. Um, like you mentioned, the, the Rare Disease Legislative Advocates website is rareadvocates.org, I believe, um, has a lot of templates and they have a lot of downloadable things. We also have information on our website that you can just kind of print and download and just send a letter and be like, hey, I'm a constituent in your, you know, in your, in your area you know, this is, this is who you're representing, you know, we have this, this, and this issue, can you help me with this? 
And I feel like if we all were able to do that, we might get a stronger voice. And then Jay and I going really before these legislators can say, look, our demographic says this, this is what we need to do. And then we can then right. work with them to create the bills and create these things that can not only help us, but future generations. So that's really our goal. So, um, you know, I do intend on having these town hall meetings periodically, especially when we, you know, do have these meetings with our congressional representatives, you know, mm -hmm. with the caucus, so we can really get a voice as to, to what's going on. There's also other things. Um, we released the quality of life survey that we're asking all adrenal patients to take. Yeah. Um, in order to really get accurate data, we need at least a thousand. I think we've got 300 responses right now. No. Um, this data is going to be used really to represent and to, and to show what our demographic goes through. There's questions like, you know, do you feel the emergency department was yeah. knowledgeable about your emergency room visit? There are questions like, you know, when you, if, were you diagnosed pre-adrenal crisis or after an adrenal crisis? These are questions that have never been asked that we need to know that we can go, you know, before Congress and, you know, other avenues that we're doing as far as creating adrenal, you know, management, care, and updating protocols, we can say, hey, this many people are on hydrocortisone, this many people take this medication how many times a day? We really need this data so we can, you know, move these protocols forward and really show what our demographic goes through. So we're just encouraging everyone. You can find the, um, the, the um, survey on our website and also on our Facebook and, and there are links to it on our Instagram and Twitter. But we're asking our entire demographic, please share it with your friends. Um, we've reached out, like I said, to other advocacy groups and sent it to them. Um, this information is something that the world needs. Like one of our taglines is, you know, the truth of adrenal disease needs to be told. It's time. It's time that we yeah. have a voice. So, um, you know, that's something that we're asking our entire demographic to do is just take the survey so we can get these this data and take it before the right people so we can change things. Because if they're not aware of it, they can't change it. Too true. I um, I took the survey. I'll I'll make a bigger push to um, to post it out on a few different platforms too to try to get more people. I'm I'm really I'm disappointed that Facebook groups wouldn't have participated in this. You know, um, and, and I, I'm very encouraged to hear that, um, you know, you took the survey, so thank you for that. Um, I really do appreciate it. I have one question here. Um, yes, so what I'll do is um, I will repost the survey. Um, like I said, the links are on our Facebook and all our social media, but I'll repost it. Um, basically, that, that information is going to be used to further protocols and give us, you know, the data that we need to show what's going on um, you can you and I can talk all day long and personal stories are great but data is what talks and data is what you know really proves and shows these things so um, I do appreciate that so um, are there any other questions before we close here I don't want to monopolize so after anyone else has a question I've got one thing I want to be sure that you're taking to congress when you're done you see anything else um, I do have one question that says, what is the topic agenda? So um, basically yeah. this meeting today is a town hall format where we're trying to get suggestions, concerns, any personal experiences as an adrenal disease patient that you want your legislators to know. Um, we are a U.S.-based um, organization, and so we do have a voice currently with the Rare Disease Congressional Caucus. Um, but we also, you know, we represent all adrenal diseases internationally and we're aligned with other international organizations. So 
Um, this is, though we are representing, you know, directly in the U.S., we're representing all adrenal diseases internationally. So um, basically that's our, that's our objective today is we're trying to hear from our demographic of all adrenal diseases. So if you want to go ahead with your question and then we'll close. Sure. So um, among topics to cover, and I, it sounds like this, this won't be the subject of the first, uh, the first caucus, but um, one of my, my major concerns other than the basics of how much funding we are getting as a disease for research from uh, CDC and FDA, which is almost nothing. There's, there's a complaint about how little um, ME gets uh, as a, a fraction of 5% on a dollar. Um, and I don't think that's accurate, excuse me. But uh, Addison's, I almost never see listed at all as receiving funding. So other than obviously our disease receiving the, the attention and the funding it needs, there is a specific issue um, that I have brought to a couple of organizations that I think is important to address. And here's where um, I agree with Jay, bringing your personal story also is very helpful. Um, with Ehlers-Danlos syndrome, for example, in the UK, there have been notices made to certain government agencies if a person thinks or has been diagnosed with Ehlers-Danlos to refer that person um, to psychiatric for potentially having uh, Munchausen syndrome. And that's what I have experienced with Addison's. Even after I was diagnosed, there's blood work, there is um, unequivocal data on my condition. I've been treated for years. In 2017, I went into a hospital with very ignorant doctors. I nearly died because I wasn't treated for two days in crisis. There were three days that I don't even remember. But at that hospital, I was referred to social services for Munchausen's. And I had, the, in a series of events, I was, I was put under conservatorship, under psychiatric, and it took me six months to fight it. And that is with, that is with a binder full of diagnosis, blood work, medical data that you can't dismiss. But it was a legal nightmare and it nearly killed me several times because I wasn't getting treatment during that time. I couldn't updose during certain periods. And this, I, I'm, I shared this with other people online. It's it, the psychiatric referrals seem to be um, prevalent. Yeah, you're well, exactly right. You're exactly right. Um, I can I can attest to that personally. Um, yeah, that actually happens to me too, and it's it's very very common um, because adrenal insufficiency is very misunderstood and it does present like anxiety. It presents like a lot of these other things. To give you an example, um, I saw an endocrinologist and I was on the pump and I brought Professor Hindmarsh's book because most physicians have never heard of it. And so I brought it, you know, to kind of have some credibility. And he wrote in my chart that I needed psychiatric evaluation because I was carrying a book around like it was the Bible and that was my religion. Oh my God. So, um, our, my, my answer to us combating that is two things. For one, we're obviously getting the surveys and things like that. They're going to show true patient data. And two, um, we're trying to get more documentation in the world that, um, that really promotes the correct narrative. 
Um, this is the book that we just recently published with the foundation. It has, mm -hmm. um, you know, a lot of a lot of true stories and a lot of things backed up by um, medical, you know, surveys and medical studies. And, you know, these are documented things that they can't sit there and say, oh, whatever. Because I think with a lot of times with adrenal insufficiency is they've never heard of it and all this stuff. And somebody comes in and they say, oh, well, that's not related. And a lot of things that are adrenal insufficiency yeah. are caused by that. And so we're trying to put out things like this. We're trying to get, you know, more of our, you know, medical things published, you know, trying to get, you know, PubMed, you know, articles and things like that. So um, our first step, obviously, is the surveys. And then, you know, publishing more things like, like our book that we just published that has, you know, medical information that is proven not only by surveys that our patients have done, but also, you know, credible medical sources that back up these things. Um, we have spent a lot of time trying to dig into medical journals, and I, I literally live on Medscape because that's just me. But anyways, um, we are actively working to trying to change the narrative. And it's just going to take time, and it's going to take a lot of awareness and effort. So my advice and my wish to our entire community is don't stop talking. Share, share, share. If you, you know, and I'm not saying wine and, you know, whatever, you know, I obviously don't want us to think of ourselves as victims of this disease, but victors who fight it. And so the more truth that we share, the more, you know, stories that we do share. And like you, you know, you have your Instagram account and things like that, that does talk about, you know, your journey. And, and I do appreciate your advocacy. And that's actually why I started, you know, the Overcoming Addison's account that I have is that I wanted to share the truth of this disease because it's not take a pill twice a day and you go live your life. Yeah. It's absolutely not. And, and that's the narrative that's out there. Every day, you know, most doctors look, oh, you take a pill twice a day, you're fine because that's what's in the textbooks. Mm -hmm. That's why this thing exists because that's not right. And I have, you know, a survey with X amount of people that says that. And so the more things that we share like that, the more information we get out there, the more we can change this narrative. And that's our goal. And that's our main goal with going towards this caucus is that, you know, adrenal disease is not represented right now. We're going to change that. If that's the last thing that I do, adrenal disease protocols are going to be updated and we're going to have a voice and I'm going to make sure of it. Well, that's that's exactly um, that specific topic is exactly what I want to see coming out of Congress. Everything that you're fighting for, I, I would like to see our representatives fighting for in, in an official capacity, specifically on that topic. If, if there is some protocol somewhere, if there is some documentation, yeah. as in within the UK, referring someone who, who references specific diseases, specific rare diseases to, um, to psych, then that's something that needs to be addressed. But otherwise, Everything that you're mentioning is what I want to see coming out of Congress right now. Um, and my, my major concerns, again, are the, the funding, but that issue, that that is happening to so many of us so often, and it's deadly and traumatizing. Oh, yeah. And I can tell you, as far as the funding goes, um, funding is, is a very difficult issue because obviously, you know, when you run a nonprofit and things like that, you can't accomplish anything if you're not funded. Um, you know, our team and, you know, our everyone who volunteers for us works very hard to make sure that we have the funding to do the projects that we want to do. So um, as far as that goes, like, I'm not going to sit here and be like, here, give me money, because that's not the way it is. But you definitely do need funding to, um, you know, do these projects. So our, you know, and our answer to that with our members is, you know, as much that we can show 
you know, if we go to like a, a company and say, hey, you know, this is this is a goal that we have. Let's say, you know, like the question we had earlier, we wanted to go and create a corticometer to check our cortisol at home. We would have to go before, you know, a business and or, you know, an angel donor or anything like that and say, hey, this is the problem that we have. This is what we want to do. And they'd say, well, what are you going to do about it? And we could come up with a business model all day long. But if we don't have a list of you know, statistics, if we don't have a list of, of people taking the survey, like our survey is at 300 right now, which is great. And I'm thankful, but we need so much more than that to go before these companies and say, Hey, this is a problem. We're going to fix it. We need the money to fix it. And so, you know, that's why we're so thankful when our members share our things, when our members talk about us, like you'd be surprised how much just a tag or, you know, anything like that really helps us out. You know, just because you don't have the financial money to support an organization and what they're doing doesn't mean you can't support them. So, yeah. you know, we appreciate any shares, anybody talking about it, like, you know, the, the book that we that we just recently, you know, released any reviews on that are great. We basically want to just show that we are doing work that needs to be done and we're worthy of these grants and we're worthy of these donations because we're doing work that no one else is doing. And that's not to say we're better or worse or anything, but we're actively trying to change these things. So. Um, I definitely appreciate you mentioning the funding because because you're right. There, there's not a lot of it for specific things like adrenal disease. So um, we're we're constantly working on securing funding. It's an ongoing effort, especially in COVID world. We um you know we can't go to conferences and things like we once were. So any shares, anything like that, we definitely appreciate. Always do. In terms of getting that funding though out of Congress into the CDC and the FDA. If, if you're showing up this week with, you know, 300 some odd of, of a thousand surveys that you want, I think a fantastic thing to represent, again, is that most of us can't manage to take a survey because we're fighting for our lives. And it's a rare disease. And that's why it needs the funding. Exactly. And, and that's why I was on the, I was, I was put on the access committee is because, you know, knowing what I know, fighting so hard for cortisol pumps and not just that, you know. The, we do more than the pumps, but that was really my fight and my original, you know, reason for starting this organization was I saw how people didn't have access to things. And it's not just our disease, it's others. So, you know, being on the access committee is going to really give me that, um, I guess, insight and that, that voice into what we need. And so take heart that we're going into it with people like you in mind, and we'll do as best as we can to represent all adrenal disease. Thank you. Will you be um, posting after each uh, caucus and then when you'll do a next town hall? Yeah, definitely. Um, and, and anybody, you know, and you as well, if you want to join our email list, we do send, um, you know, like an update on what we're doing and things like that. So um, we can add you to that. On our website, there's like a link that says become a member. If you become a member with us, we do send an email. Um, you can also follow us on our social media. Our Facebook is facebook.com slash hope for adrenal disease. Our um, Instagram is at Adrenal Alternatives Foundation, and our Twitter is at Adrenal Advocate. So we will be posting updates. And like I said, I'm, I'm, I'm. Our first meeting is the 19th, and so I'm not sure how much we're allowed to post as far as what's discussed and all that. And I'm not sure, um, you know, if NDAs are involved. But as you know, as much as we can update the community, we will. And with our ongoing projects, there are so many things that the foundation is working on that I'm so excited to announce, um, hopefully very soon. But um, like I said, um, just follow our social media and we should be able to have updates for everyone. So just go to our website, adrenalalternatives.com. You can click to become a member. It'll give us your email. We 
The email is completely confidential. We don't give it to any third parties. It only goes with our staff and we just send out an email. You know, we're not going to blow your email up either. It's, it's, you know, periodically with just updates that we have. So we'll definitely keep everybody, everybody involved. Fantastic. Well, good luck with the first, uh, the first caucus. And also, again, with those being my, my major two concerns, if it comes up, that's my story is on the table for sharing, because I know that 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 helps when you're speaking to your representatives. That that um, was a and nice if you want to, um, you're welcome to, you know, fill out like the contact form on our website and we can we can definitely talk about, you know, getting like your official story written up and, and just having examples. Honestly, that's a great idea um, to take some patient examples. Um, let, let me think on that. And that's, I've, I've got an idea. So I'll, we'll probably be contacting you regarding that, but we definitely are gonna take all the experiences and the concerns to, you know, our legislators for the rare disease. So, but thank you so much. I, for I feel where you're going. I think we take a look at my, uh, take a look at my fundraiser, just the story that's there. The story that's printed there, that's something that could be useful. We I see where you're going. But yeah, something something along those lines would be great. Gotcha. Well, thank you so much for attending. And thank you everyone who um, watched this. And um, like I said, this has been the town hall for um, the rare disease legislative advocates. We are your um, representatives with the um, rare disease legislative advocates congressional caucus for rare disease. So um, I am excited that we are going to be representing all adrenal diseases. And um, if you have any questions or concerns, please contact us on our website and our social media pages. Like I said, our website is adrenalalternatives.com. So we look forward to hearing from all of you guys. Thank you so much. For more information, visit our website, adrenalalternatives.com or our social media pages, facebook.com slash hope for adrenal disease, Twitter is Adrenal Advocate, and Instagram is Adrenal Alternatives Foundation. Adrenal Alternatives is a 501c3 patient empowerment organization dedicated to encouragement, education, and advocacy for all adrenal disease.